Welcome to OneString. OneString is an extension of the river, an organization committed to training people to read and understand the Bible for themselves. That is the one string the river has on our guitar, the one string we play. You might ask how an audio podcast can help you become a better reader. Each podcast is designed to draw you into the text of Scripture, not merely tell you what to think or believe. It is our prayer that the impact of each podcast will be to drive you back into the Bible for yourself. I'm Brian Anken, the Academic Director of The River. And I'm Kirsten Toledo. I'll be helping out host this One String Podcast. As we're thinking about this podcast, I'm thinking about this idea of familiarity breeding contempt. Um, That's a very famous saying, familiarity breeds contempt. But one of the other things I think familiarity breeds is a lack of attention. Our, Our perception that I know this story, in a sense, results in a lack of attention. It's like the joke you think you've heard before, or the movie you've heard about or maybe seen once before, as it unfolds, you don't really pay much attention to it because you think you know what's going on. But when it comes to Bible passages, I think sometimes we never really do hear them well because we're think, we think we're familiar with the story, and that's something that actually happens a lot with Jesus' parables. What do you mean? Why don't you think we read them well the first time? Well, I I think there is a a sense that we have that I'm already familiar with them. I've heard these stories before. Jesus' parables have passed into common language. They become part of our cultural way of thinking so that even non-churchgoers seem to think they know. They, they, They know, I know what a prodigal is, for example. Or why we shouldn't hide a light under a basket. Yeah. Um, one of the most well-known parables, one that I think is often misunderstood, is the parable of the Good Samaritan. We think we know what a Good Samaritan is because there's Good Samaritan clubs. And yet I think that our perception that we know the story is about makes it difficult for us to hear what's really going on. So, for example, with the Good Samaritan, since we think we know what it's about, it actually keeps us from understanding what Jesus is saying. I think so. We don't hear it well. Because we don't listen well, we don't read well because, oh, yeah, I, I know what the, the story is all about. So let's, let's talk just a little bit about parables. Um, parables are not merely illustrations. Um, they are more than just a clever story. Kind of like a joke. Uh, a joke has a setup and a punchline. It's a, not a true story. It's intended to, well, a joke is intended to make you laugh. And a parable doesn't always make you laugh, but it does have a setup and a punchline. That's how a parable functions. Typically, Jesus tells a parable in response to what is going on in a moment. He's not just tossing out a clever story, not just trying to fill his teaching with a good illustration. So the setup is the story that we hear, and then the punchline is what Jesus actually wants us to understand from the parable. Yes, exactly right. Uh, And if we're not paying close attention to what Jesus is doing in the parable, we sometimes can draw wrong conclusions about what the story is all about. So so let's let's do this. Let's do a little lab in a parable. Kirsten, why don't you read the parable of the Good Samaritan? It's found in Luke chapter 10. Great. So we're going to read from the NAS starting in verse 30 of chapter 10. Jesus replied and said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers, and they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. 
And by chance, a priest was going down on that road, and when he saw him, he passed to the other side. Likewise, a Levi also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, who was on a journey, came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion. And he came to him, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And he put him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, he took out two denarii, and gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And he said, the one who showed mercy toward him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do the same. So that's pretty familiar. I've definitely heard it before. Yes, and, and that's a familiar story. Like I said, even churchgoers have this vague sense. I know what the Good Samaritan is all about. How do you think this parable is typically understood? What do you think people tend to think Jesus is saying in this parable? Well, most often I would say that we're supposed to be a good neighbor, that we're supposed to emulate the Samaritan and help somebody when we see them in need. Exactly right. I think that's common, and that's because we think we know what a good Samaritan is supposed to be. But actually, to understand what's going on in this story, it's going to be critical that we read what leads into the parable. This is why it's so important to read well. This parable falls in the midst of a narrative. That is, it's not just a story hanging out by itself. It's part of Jesus' exchange with a scribe. And so, in order to understand what the parable is about, we have to ask the question, why did Jesus tell this parable? Was he simply explaining, do good stuff to strangers and you're in? I, I don't think so. Uh, even though that's often the way it's understood. If, if we actually back up and look at the setting for the parable, then maybe we can understand what the parable is really all about. So why don't you back up a few verses, Kirsten, and, and read chapter 10, verses 25 through 29. All right. So just a few verses before then we see, and a lawyer stood up and put him to the test saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, what is written in the law? How does it read to you? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And that's where Jesus tells the parable. So Jesus then replies and says the very well-known parable of Good Samaritan. So what did you notice? What sets up this story? This lawyer standing up and putting Jesus to a test. Yes, which is a really interesting word. That word there, putting Jesus to the test, is the same word that's used to describe what Satan does to Jesus in the wilderness. He's tempting him. He's putting him to a test. What do you think that means about the lawyer's intentions? He's trying to trap him into giving him a specific kind of answer. Right. I don't think it, in one sense, it's not a legitimate question to say what, and notice the question, in fact, is a little weird. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Tell, tell me about what comes to mind when you think about inheriting something. What do you do to inherit? Be related to somebody yes. most often. <laughs> exactly right. It's not like you do to inherit. Either you belong or you don't belong. And so it's a strange question. And... Luke tells us that the lawyer is asking the question in order to test 
Jesus, to, to put him to the test and asks this kind of peculiar question, what must I do to e inherit eternal life? And, and then notice how Jesus responds. He actually asks the lawyer a question. What's behind the question? What's Jesus asking? So he asks him, what is written in the law? How does it read to you? So it's his personal interpretation of something that he already knows. That's correct. Jesus wants the lawyer to think, think, think. You're asking me a question. I want you to respond based on what you already know. So Jesus asks the lawyer a question, wants him to answer from his own perspective. What's the lawyer's answer? He quotes from the scripture what he knows. Yes. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus, hearing that answer, tells the lawyer, you've answered correctly. And then follows up by saying, so do this and you will live. Now, the lawyer's answer, Jesus says correctly. Great, the great commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbors yourself. And Jesus says, you've answered correctly, so just do this. Did you notice, though, how the lawyer responds to Jesus's affirmation that he's answered correctly? He asks him another question, wishing to justify himself. Now, talk to me about that idea. What does it mean to say that he's seeking to justify himself? Well, I can think of back to when I was a child, I'm trying to get out of doing something or do exactly what I have to do in order to get the outcome that I want. Sure. In fact, this idea, and it even goes a little farther here, this idea of justifying yourself would convey the sense of what can I do to make myself in right standing before God? Mm -hmm. So this is not simply mm, get out of trouble, but how can I stand right before God? So he's trying to justify himself and ask the question. What's the question he asks in seeking to justify himself? And who is my neighbor? What's peculiar about that question? Did you notice what's strange about that question given the right answer? The right answer is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If that's the right answer, where's the emphasis in that answer? On loving your God. Yes. And loving your neighbor. And, and so what do you make of the scribe's answer? Well, maybe God's easier to love than those that he considers to be his neighbors. Or maybe he thinks he's already doing that. And, <laughs> and, and yet he doesn't bother to say, so what does it mean to love God? He doesn't even say, what does it mean to love my neighbor? He simply asks, seeking to justify himself. I think I'm doing these things. I'm loving God and I'm loving my neighbor. I just want to know... Can, can, I, I know what qualifies as my God, because I'm a good Jew. I just need to know what qualifies as my neighbor, because I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself. So what's ultimately going on with this scribe leading up to the parable? He's wrestling with what it is that he needs to do specifically to gain eternal life, and wants Jesus to kind of walk into a specific answer. Right. He's seeking to test Jesus, trap Jesus, and give him an answer that would allow him to justify himself. Meaning, can you tell me what I can do so that I might earn something that can only be inherited and fits my agenda and perspective? Now, if we take the parable of the prodigal son the way it's typically understood, what does that mean about 
Jesus's answer. We missed the point entirely. That's correct. Because it makes it sound like, okay, Jesus goes, okay, you've trapped me. I'm going to give you an answer. And I'm going to tell you how you can justify yourself. All you have to do is go and do nice things. And if that's the way we read the parable of the Good Samaritan, then this means Jesus stepped into the trap and Jesus gave the, the lawyer information as to how he might justify himself. I actually don't think that's what's going on. I think the parable is... Well, like um, a good joke that catches you off guard. You have to think about it to make sure you get the punchline. I think the parable of the Good Samaritan is way more provocative to this lawyer than we tend to think. I don't think Jesus is simply saying, so go out and do nice things and you'll be justified before God and you'll earn your place in heaven and you will inherit eternal life. I think he tells a story that is intended to provoke a thought. And as the lawyer is listening, it starts to become really clear that the lawyer th is thinking, I'm not that kind of guy. Because notice how at the end of the parable, if we're reading well, this is what it's all about, paying close attention. When Jesus finishes the story, what does he ask the scribe? Which one of these three people that we read about in the, in the parable, or he heard about in the mm -hmm. parable, proved to be a neighbor? Does that answer the scribe, I mean, the lawyer's question? Not directly. No, because the lawyer wanted to know who qualifies for my loving affection. Yeah. And Jesus tells a parable and then asks the question, well, who are, who, who is the one that is actually loving, not who has chosen the right neighbor? Mm -hmm. how, how do you think, just think for a moment, how do you think that left the lawyer thinking when Jesus asked him that question. Well, probably a little frustrated, first mm -hmm. of all, because yeah. he didn't get the answer that he wanted. That's correct. And I think surprised. Yeah. For sure, because it's not who he expected to be his neighbor. That's correct. Well, yes, but the call isn't even make sure that you see. And how he cared for him is probably different than he would have expected as well. Absolutely. And it's, it's not who qualifies as my neighbor, but whether you have a disposition to be neighborly. So the issue in the parable of the Good Samaritan is not doing good. The issue in the parable of the Good Samaritan is what's going on in your heart? And when we understand how this story is led into testing Jesus, seeking to justify himself, wanting to earn in, in an inheritance of eternal life, it's pretty clear that there's something amiss in the lawyer's heart. So. Jesus asks him some questions to expose what's going on in his heart, and he technically answers right. But then when he seeks to justify himself, he doesn't talk about, so what about my love for God? What about my love for neighbors? He simply wants to know who qualifies to be the object, which suggests there's probably something not quite right in his heart. I want to encourage everyone who's listening to go back and read the passage well. Notice how the narrative unfolds. See how the parable fits into the discussion. Because the bottom line is, Jesus is not telling the man, he's not telling us, just go and do nice things and you're in. That would mean he just stepped into the trap and Jesus explained to the man how to justify himself before God. Actually, what Jesus has offered the man is a pointer to his heart problem. The, the scribe overlooked the great commandment, loving God. And the 
scribes sought to take down the second commandment by redefining who the neighbor was who would be the object of his love. So he's not even wrestling with the issue of his heart, which is what Jesus is going after. So Jesus actually pressed the scribe to think about what, in and of himself, he would never be able to do. Because, well, why wouldn't the, scribe, the lawyer be able to do this? Because he's unable, while he's unable to be neighborly to himself? And there's something wrong... With his heart. In, with his heart. So being a neighbor is not simply who you are, but a way of living. That's correct. It's not simply what you do. Let's just do nice things. If your heart's not there, well, that's a whole lot about what Jesus talks about throughout the Gospels. The Lord God is really after our hearts, not our behavior. He's not interested in merely behavioral change. He's actually interested in transforming us from the inside out. So Jesus actually, in this parable, is pressing the lawyer to think about what, in and of himself, he would never be able to do because there's something wrong with his heart. And it's evident because he's trying to test Jesus. He's trying to justify himself. He's trying to earn his way into heaven. He's simply asking functional questions. All of those things point to the fact that there's something wrong with his heart. And the sad thing is, the common way of our understanding this parable actually hijacks Jesus's point. In what way? Well, because then we, in fact, miss also that the point of the parable is to ask questions about the characteristics of our heart. That's correct. We, we think it's a call to do nice things. It's actually a provocative story that suggests the very thing we think we should do and can do, we won't do. It points to the problem in the scribe's heart and in our hearts that there's something broken there. And we actually need rescue, which is what Jesus has come to do, and not merely some more good advice. Thank you for listening to this One String Podcast. If you have benefited from what you've heard or would like to hear more, please find us on most streaming services. You can help keep One String playing its one string by supporting the ministry of The River. Please find us at theriverupstate.org. The Get Involved tab will lead you to information about becoming a supporter of The River and the One String Podcast.